1: State of Combat Podcast with Brian Campbell
0: Oh heck yeah rock out with me the greatest theme song in podcast history It's the State of Combat with your boy BC I've got a all of Famer next to me Mixed Martial Arts Edition You know him, you love him, he's a former UFC champion, a Hall of Famer, an earthquake survivor, always sweet, never sour, a tower of ayahuasca power, it's Sugar
1: Rashad Evans, my man, welcome to a new week in the life. BC, my brother, it's good to be back, man. I love it. Tower of Oscar Wilde Power. That's what I'm talking about right there, okay? I'm getting, like woke, I'm getting woke to the new age, all right? The you new know? age of
0: wokeness. <laughs> I want to hear from the, uh, what, what do you call that voice? The, uh, the the messenger? What do you call that? I'm not talking to Henry Cejudo. You know what I'm talking what, about.
1: What's that? The The, the voice?
0: The uh, the uh, I heard you on the Joe Rogan. You know what I mean when you when you enter into that state and there's Oh,
1: okay, okay, yeah. The the moment, the moment of clarity when you when you uh reach the higher level of consciousness, yes, right? I'm
0: ready to reach that. Okay, I'm ready to <laughs> be there. Okay, all right, I'm ready for that. Bring it on. Okay. I think you should shut shut up. You're not wanna... by wrestling yourself no, right now. No. No. You... <laughs> no, no, that's what we're doing. That's what we're doing nowadays. GSP. All right, great show for you today. A lot of storylines that came out of the UFC. Fight Night Vegas 3 card, I guess what they're calling it over the weekend. Big wins, obviously, from the likes of Curtis Blades, Josh Emmett, and more. We are going to get into that. The latest news, a lot of stoppage controversy that is uh, really taking over the headlines. Uh, reminder that Rashad and I will be back later this week with another big time show. Not only will we set the stage for a UFC Fight Night card this coming Saturday from Vegas that you can't miss with that Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker main event that is oh so sexy. We're going to have big-time chats with Hooker, with Poirier, with Mike Perry. Yes, it's going to get platinum up in here on Thursday, so get – Ready for that. Reminder, you like this show, I know you do. Five-star review s- season upon us. We'll be back this week with the Boxing Edition as well, although the box is struggling, struggling to get out of the gate. Uh, we love you, listeners. Thank you for being a part of this.
1: Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. I love you. Thank
0: you. Thank you. you noticed Luke Rockhold didn't know how to respond to that. He's like, Thanks. Thanks, DC. All right. All right. Uh, Rashad, what is new in the life of Rashad? We're quarantining we're trying to look for positivity. Florida, Florida's going in the wrong direction out there. Now you got to wear a mask. You better be wearing that mask out there, Rashad.
1: You know what? It, it, it's, it's weird because I haven't seen it. I see people out and, and uh, you know, people are out at the beaches and just enjoying themselves and just really enjoying the summer. Uh, for me, I got the kids this summer, so I'm doing a little summer camp, training camp. We're doing fighting. We're doing strength conditioning. I'm just kicking, teeth kids, in, uh, kicking uh, kids' teeth in. On a, on a training level, on a training level, just getting their mind right, you know. And uh, they're enjoying it.
0: All right. Shout out to the kids there. Fire it up for that one indeed. Uh, hopefully, you're going to have a great summer. You know, stay in shape. That, that phone, may, look, the phone may ring. I'm saying it right now. With this, on, with this quarantine, with some people available, some people can't fly, some people have COVID, that, the number one thing you can do as a fighter, stay available. That means you too, Rashad. You never know, bro.
1: Hey, I was just training with Tyrone Spong a few days ago. I'm staying ready, you know. I'm staying ready just in case because, you, like you said, you never know, man. You never know. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, Tyrone Spong, the former kickboxing star turned heavyweight boxer, correct?
1: Correct, Amundo. All
0: right, all right. Thank you. Uh, Usyk, do you have any comments? Uh, Tyrone
1: Spong. Spunk? Spunk? I don't, I don't know. Tyron
0: Spunk. Tyron Spunk. Okay, all right. Uh, look, Rashad, let's get right into it. This Max Roscoff, Coach Drysdale story taking over the headlines. In fact, you and I joining CBS, H- CBS Sports HQ, the live 24-7 streaming network, just this morning. They don't want to ask us about Poirier Hooker. They wanted to ask us about the opening fight of last Saturday's card at the Apex in Las Vegas, when on five days' notice, Max Roscoff, 5-0 and coming in, makes his UFC debut against Austin Hubbard, who had 15 pro fights. We saw a very interesting fight. I think Max Roscoff, I hadn't heard much about him. Others had. In that first round, he looked like a killer. He looked like a future, you know, you don't want to say future champion, but somebody who's going to, have, uh, going to make a lot of noise in this second round, the tide turn. Shout out to Austin Hubbard, landed some clean shots, really started to light him up late. But it was what took place during the commercial break between rounds two and three. The fight was stopped. And before it was, Coach Robert Drysdale really trying to wake Max up, really trying to get him going. But more than six, seven, eight, nine times, Max Roscoff told him, I don't have it. I'm done. Stop the fight. And the controversy, Rashad, comes out of the coaches not only unwillingness to do so in the moment, but the double down afterwards on social media, which said, look, like I'll, I'll do the same thing next time. I'm trying to get my fighter to realize that, that, that he has it at a moment that he doesn't think he does. Rashad, it's hard if you're only watching that clip that ESPN MMA Twitter account put out, right? If you're mm-hmm. only watching the conversation between coach and fighter, I think this piles onto a narrative that we've seen over the last couple of years. Raquel Pennington being pushed out against Nunes in round five. That guy, Thomas Gifford, taking that beat for no reason a couple uh, months ago. Don't forget about uh, Anthony Smith in his last fight. Coach pushing him out there when he didn't seem to, to want to or deserve to be out there in terms of damage. I think this situation is different because I don't think everybody has the full concept of the story. Where do you sort of lie on blame, what we can do, how we can prevent it in this whole situation?
1: Yeah, I kind of fall in the middle with you, BC. Like, I feel as if, you know, um, you know, him saying that he needed to stop over and over again at that point. Yes, of course, uh, Drysdale definitely should have, should have stopped him. But as a coach, you know, he knows, you know, his athlete, and he knows, you know, what it takes for him to get in the UFC. And, you know, uh, you know, with with the record of just, you know, with five five fights, you, you want to make sure that the guy is 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 going past where he thinks he can go. But at the same time, you got to be able to watch out for him. And, you know, Roshkoff has that, that wrestling background and wrestling mentality. So as wrestlers, we, we're always taught to just keep going and keep going and keep going. And when it's over, it's over and just endure it. You know, um, there there's lessons to be learned in, in a good wrestling butt whooping. And, and you learn them sometimes. But uh, this is fighting, you know, and sometimes – when, when you're taking those kind of shots that Ross was taking in, in the last little bit, you know it, it's hard to to believe in yourself and to push forward. Um, he was getting caught with some really clean shots and getting caught at the end of the extension of the shots of, of Harvard too. So he was catching full power in those shots and. He didn't feel he can close the distance. And when the athlete doesn't believe they can win in any capacity, no matter how much you want to push him as a coach, you got to say, all right, this is your call. I know you're going to regret it later on, but let's let's stop it.
0: Yeah, look, if you only saw that video, um, it's right to to get on Drysdale. And it's right, I think, on a whole, Rashad, with this new theme, to realize that, like, there's no – I say this all the time about boxing. There's no honor in going the distance. Fighters, like – there's some pride. Okay, if I lose, I'm going to lose big to this guy. But you know what? I went the distance. I didn't get knocked out. We need to get, as a bo- as a boxing community, we need to get past that, I think, personally. I think that just adds on beatings that are unnecessary. It takes away from the longevity of your career. You don't see that as much, luckily, in UFC, right? I mean, no, you don't. tapping out isn't looked at as a you know, complete embarrassment. In fact, you know, Rashad, there are times that guys are gassed out and maybe they put themselves into a position to get tapped out because it's almost an honorable way to go. He beat me. He got me. Right. But we still have a stigma with the idea of quitting in the corner with the idea of, you know, tapping to strikes or whatever, or just, you know, verbally quitting in that moment. And I certainly want to see us get past that because it's dangerous. And at any point uh, that a fighter says like, look, I'm out. I don't have it. You know, I, I really would like not only for a coach, maybe after a certain point, Right. Because you do have a minute. Coach and fighter is like a father-son thing. You do have a minute to get in his head between rounds and try to just wake him up. And I want to respect that Coach Drysdale and the fighter, Max, may have had history. Maybe there's history of Max uh, needing a kick in the butt because obviously you saw the talent is there. Oh, my God. But I do want to get to a point that, you know, you hear, I'm done, I quit, that if a coach isn't willing you know, then maybe a commission member should maybe a, uh, you know, we got mics in there. We gotta, we got a state commission member watching everything going on to make sure nothing funny is going on. Maybe like, you know, I don't want to get weird with M, but maybe that's the safe word. Rashad, when you hear the safe word, that's it. The fight's over. Yeah. Like, because this is too dangerous of, of a sport to push somebody into it. But I don't necessarily want Robert Drysdale in this spot to hang on the cross, so to speak, because, uh, I believe Max was in this fight. We go into the third round. It's tied. Coach wanted him to wrestle. I don't know at that point Max's stamina. He could have been completely done and shot mentally and physically. So maybe him getting out is what was right. But I think this situation is different than when Raquel Pennington's face is getting bashed in, and she's not the type of fighter who can rally against the GOAT Amanda Nunes in the fifth round and get a knockout or submission, right? If you're the coach, you do the math, you go – Let's let her live another day. This wasn't necessarily a damage situation. This was more of a mental thing. And I think when you saw Max Roscoff, after asking out, just sat and crumbled and, and put his head into his hands. I think that shows you something. So I'm willing not to fry Coach Streisdale for this specific situation, although I think it does lend itself to the larger narrative of it needs to be okay. To not be okay to ask out of a fight and i give dana white credit for his comments afterwards i think there is a wild card situation here though rashad the idea that if the coach gets paid more if the fighter rallies to win then i got a problem with that
1: hmm. yeah I, you know i i don't i don't think that the financial incentive was was the incentive um but but i, I do understand how it very well could be an incentive I, I, but i do think you know um I've seen it. I've seen fighters who have have stayed in a fight where they were outmatched and they were beat rounds before, but kept on fighting and uh, finished the fight, but really took a one, uh, a lopsided beating. And uh, they were never the same after that. They were never the same after that because the trauma that you receive in a lopsided fight in an MMA fight is is a hard trauma to shake, you know, because so much of your confidence is it was built on your durability and your ability to to not take punishment and not have a memory of taking s- so much punishment in the cage, you know? Uh, every single time I got hit in a fight, sometimes I, w- I would flash back to maybe when I got knocked out or when you know when my legs got dazed before. And, uh, you know, perfect example of that, when I was fighting Machida, I mean, when I fought uh, Tiago Silva, he caught me with a shot in the third round. And I just kept thinking, oh my gosh, this is what happened to me when I fought Machida, not again, not again. And it, it, was the, it was the third round too. And it was like one of those things that instantly I went back to that trauma moment. So you don't want to give your fighter a lot of trauma inside that octagon because that trauma is very hard to shake. Um, I think the safe system, as far as uh, the, how the fight got stopped, I think that, that did work, you know, because the, the corner didn't recognize that he needed to stop. And then a referee went over and then he asked them, how are you doing? And then he said he wants to stop. And then at that point, the referee uh, called the fight. So if if the corners are not making that choice or, or just thinking they can squeeze a little bit more out of the fighter and the referee goes and check on them, then I think that's that's the safest we can do at this point, you know, and or just making it be more aware of the cornering and coaches that – it needs to be aware because we have a great record in MMA and, and UFC. No one has ever had any kind of injuries, you know, that equated to death or serious injury. So part of keeping that is just having, you know, keeping awareness of, of when the fight yeah. is not getting safe anymore.
0: I'd certainly rather be safe than sorry in all situations. But I, me saying it's it's more circumstantial, it's more, you know, uh, is saying, look, like there could have been a scenario in which Coach – you know, look, if, if Max is, is gassed, then he's done, okay? That's dangerous. But there could have been a scenario where Coach, after four or five times, goes, no, Max, you got this. Like, get it. Max goes out there, and maybe he finds success, or maybe he finds some struggle, and that's where Coach could throw in the towel Go go, like, all right, I gave him a chance. Because I do want to say it's situational because – This was a very important fight for a young fighter. You can argue maybe he shouldn't have been in there with five fights. That's a total separate argument. Maybe he should be in more of a minor league system first. But either way, he got a big opportunity, a last-minute filler, and you could tell he has world-class ability, and this was kind of a make or break. If he had gone out there and edged out a decision, that may could have been a turning point for him on the inside. Obviously there's danger involved in that, but like I said it's different when someone's accumulating nothing but damage and they are not in the fight. I think we do have to look at the success he had in the first round and do have to look at the importance of what this fight could have meant to the future of his career and give the coach again that one minute to do what he has to do to get in the mind because you know, I heard DC make some good comments about this that, you know, if coaches didn't do exactly what Drysdale did in that spot, many fighters wouldn't have reached their potential. And I think we all need a kick in the ass in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah, so, sure. I mean, certainly I think you get on Drysdale for his comments after, for the fact that by the sixth, seventh, eighth time, he's still, you know, trying to push him. But I would like there to be a middle ground where, where, where a coach can still be that father figure and try to get you, get you going based on the situation overall. Um, my mention of money, Rashad, is I just don't want that to ever be part of the conversation I hear right? that. Mm-hmm. I, I, like uh, you know whatever the coach gets i think that should be what he got for helping the fighter through the training camp and getting him to the fight i don't like by any means that the way the ufc pay structure is set up where you can essentially double your pay date by winning that that should be a part of your your coach or your corners because that should never be in the mindset right it should never be all right. oh, he can do this right you know what i mean we got enough problem in boxing with fathers and sons why because there's this boxing machismo mentality that the fathers end up sending their sons out to slaughter more often than not. You'd think a dad would throw in the towel more quick, quicker because, oh, that's my son out there. You end up seeing the opposite. Oh, that, oh he could take it. That's my kid, right? There's almost too much of that. Um, it's, it's a tough scenario, but you made the best point of all. If you want to continue that track record of never having an encaged death or never having a, a disastrous situation, then you figure out whatever issues are underlying this current trend and you change it. And that doesn't mean to me dropping the bombs on coach Drysdale, but it does mean, uh, warnings. And maybe it means the commission looking a little bit closer across the board, all state commissions and saying that, you know, when it's time, it is time. And, um, you know, Rashad, you never know what's going to come out of Dana's mouth. And I'm really glad that he, in the in the chair that he sits in, which is a very important one as the face of UFC, was able at the post-white press conference to be like, no, you know, no one should ever say a bad thing about a fighter at any point. And Dana, yeah. even had, sharing that story of saying, there was a time where I thought I could be a fighter. I went for it. I realized I'm not of that ilk. I'm not of that cloth, right? Like, there, there's there's it's us and them. And the, the guys who are them, like – let, let's respect that, and let and and look. You need that. The guy at the top needs to set that tone, right? We right. get on UFC when there's when Dana's all about action or nothing. Sometimes, like I get it. It's an entertainment business. We're gonna talk about Curtis Blades in a minute. Is Dana right? Is he wrong? I like the guy at the top setting the standard that um, y- you ain't a bitch if 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 you get to a point where you've had enough.
1: Yeah, and, and you're talking about uh, Dana White is the biggest instrument of change when it comes to making sure that. You know this policy, or any kind of policy, or even just making sure the awareness of fighters' health is taken serious by the corner and everyone around. Because what he does before every single fight is that he has a meeting. You know, a meeting with with, with the with the uh, the fighters and and even sometimes the coaches are in there. So I'm sure he'll have a meeting now with with. Uh, normally it's just the fighters, but now maybe the fighters and the coaches in there, and he can talk about. You know, some of the things that he's been seeing as far as, you know, letting a guy stay out there too long when they may not want to be out there. And he's absolutely right 100%. Fighting is, is not the place you want to be if you're not 100% uh, thinking you're in, in that fight. You know, when you feel, when you start having the doubts and you start to feel as if, you know, the bad posture and just wanting to not be in there, that's when you really need to have somebody get you out of there because it only takes one shot to just change your life forever.
0: Uh, we don't know for lightweight Max Roscoff what the future brings from this. You never know how anyone's going to bounce back. It's impossible. We could say, oh, you know, this will mentally break him forever. Yeah. But all we know this could wake him up and allow him to become the fighter he was supposed to become all along. I did want to find out through your history, have you seen fighters like this, Rashad, who you could look at them and after sparring with them go, they not only have UFC ability, they have potential championship ability, but they don't have those intangibles to get there they don't have the the mental toughness or the focus or any of that have you seen that a lot throughout your career
1: yeah i I have seen it and i and i and i don't want to say max is that guy you know uh you know i don't want to paint him in that picture but i have seen guys who who think they can step up to the level or think they're ready for that level and then once they get there they realize that there's more to this level than they thought and it becomes a a bit of a, a situation where they feel like they're drowning and when you're out there in the octagon and um you're tired you you feel like you're outmatched you feel like you're in, you're on an island and, and people are so far away and you're sending an SOS but there's nothing they can do and you're just watching from far away as you, as you just continue to try to keep it together but you keep getting broken down i understand what it's like to be on an island it's a very tough place to be but that's the thing what 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 this sport proves you and what the, the 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 i guess the the growing grounds of MMA, you know, the, the Ultimate Fighter shows and the Dana White Contender Series, that's what those shows are for. Those shows are, are to, to, to groom these fighters to get, to get the grit in order to be in the, the live situation, in order to be on the big show.
0: And I think, you know, both of us can agree that the deeper we get in our own respective careers, the more life experience we get, the more we realize it really is... It's mental. It's all mental. It's 90% mental. Yes, there's that 10% of of I'm, you know, one person may be more naturally inclined to excel at a certain, you know, skill or sport or whatever than somebody else. But damn, Rashad, uh, you know, mental toughness, mental health, mental everything, the whole – everything's mental. It's all mental. mental. Right?
1: Everything is mental. Everything is mental. You can
0: learn skills over time, but do you have it on the inside to be it? Uh, you know, it, it – it's tough man. I give I give Hall of Famers and champions like yourself for shot a lot of credit, all right? All right.
1: I uh, thank you. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you for that. All right. Look, when we get back from the break, a little pause for the cause, we're going to break down this card as a whole. Is Curtis Blades your next heavyweight title contender or is he in Dana purgatory? We will find out all that and then some. Tall, pale and handsome It's your boy BC back after this. <laughs> As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found. And we're back. It's BC. It's Sugar, Rashad, and Rashad, not to uh, bury the lead on the whole card UFC fight night this past Saturday, but it was a heavyweight main event. Curtis Blades going the full 25 minutes in a unanimous decision over Alexander Volkov. But, Rashad, oddly enough, it was comments Blades made on this here podcast calling out, as we talked about last week, UFC brass for the whole fighter pay situation, essentially challenging Dana and company by saying, no excuses, we know the money is there, pay us what we deserve, You know, just admit it. You either want to pay us or you don't. Just be honest. Obviously, that worked its way up the chain to Dana White. So when Curtis Blades ends up winning, a dominant decision based on wrestling, but gasses a bit in round four, finishes not as strong as he started. Two of three judges, by the way, scoring two rounds for Volkov. Three to two on two of the three scorecards. So it shows you the change in momentum in that fight. Afterwards, Rashad, Dana had some very harsh words for Blades, basically saying, look, you want to talk that shit? You got to back it up. So, you know, and what you did was you came out and fought a boring style. You didn't go for the finish on the ground. You gassed out in the fourth round. Uh, Rashad, can you win a fight and still lose the the battle with Dana on a given night? Uh, who Does Dana have a point in saying, look, you're going to talk that way you better back it up with the kind of performance that matches up with with that with that energy. You know, bring that. You better you better maintain that energy all the time. Is that safe to say here? Can we criticize Curtis Blades at all for Saturday?
1: Here's my thing. It, it um, his performance. It, it I, I do understand what Dan is saying because at the same time, when when you when you when you say what you say and you put a standard on yourself like. Curtis did as far as him ragging doll and, and all the talk that he did and all the hype that he, that he did around uh, what he was going to do to his opponent. Uh, and just, you know, kind of exposing his game plan with confidence knowing that Volkov would not be able to stop it. You know, those are the kind of things that, that that Dana's speaking about. Um, but at the same time, I feel, I feel as if, you know, uh, he's, he's speaking from the place where a lot of fighters are, are coming from, you know what I'm saying? So I, 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 I understand where he's coming from with that, with that side of it. But when you put a target on yourself and you put a target on yourself by, by saying what what he's saying, you know, about fighters pay and everything like that. When you, when you say that, you better make sure you're, you're holding the keys, you know what I'm saying? You better make sure that, that you're able to, to, to be able to uh, write your own ticket and, and they need you more than you need them. And I don't feel that, uh, that blades is at that position right now. You know, I think that with a performance like that. And then uh, making statements like that beforehand, you know, he might've stalled himself out in the eyes of the upper brass, just trying to, you know, not, not may not be given an opportunity because if you have a guy who's talking like that right now, without the juice, when he gets the juice, you might have a problem on your hands. That's a
0: fair point. And it gives uh, a reason for the boss to try to potentially humble said, you know, loud fighter who may not have the ammunition. And look, this has been a larger theme throughout this quarantine. When we've, when we've seen obviously a lot of guys, John Jones, Johorio Masvidal, et cetera, take firm stands against fighter pay. The whole idea is like, that's great, but you really have the most ammunition and leverage. If you do that right after a giant win, when you are hot in that moment. So in this case, had blades come out Rashad, and, and, finished Volkov. Not saying it would have been easy. Volkov makes every fight tough, right? He's not a guy you look great against. Um, but had he done that and then made the comments about fighter pay and then made the comments about, you know, give me that vacant title shot against Ngannou. Give me the third chance. Should D. Say and Stipe walk away after that fight? Then you certainly have more ammunition because here's the real deal. Holyfield on it, Rashad. If that situation, if that scenario should arise where the title becomes vacant or, or, or you know, one or two guys retires and Curtis Blades is right there for a chance to fight Ganu, you don't have a lot of leverage to begin with to fight a guy who beat you twice, especially when that yeah. guy beat you twice by knockout. Now, look, you and I could say, look, second flight, 45 seconds, kind of a fluke. First fight, Blades' debut, he was all over Ganu on the ground before his eye got mangled and the fight was stopped but that doesn't matter at the negotiation table you come to the negotiation table with with what have you done for me lately right so you gotta kind of know the rules of the game and the rules of the game are, are Dana white doesn't hide from it they reward guys who bring it guys who back it up guys who are brash and go out there to try to knock you out so when you come back to that table with no leverage and you pissed off the boss in the headlines and you didn't deliver the kind of performance that you know is currency to his to his game the rules that he established you're probably going to lose you're probably going to get held out you know you're probably going to go nope not this guy let's find you know the next hot hand you could argue rashad that's why gilbert burns is fighting for the title right now and not jorge masvidal now look i know masvidal was given the chance but you know maybe that's why masvidal got lowballed like there, there's a game within the game that has nothing to do with the game, right? There's the how do I bend the will of UFC's matchmakers and the boss to do what I want them to do. At some point, you got to play a little bit of their game. And I think Curtis Blades, unfortunately, kind of put himself closer to a John Fitch reality than anywhere else by doing it the way he did. His comments afterwards were, I'm a heel. I I could take the heat, bring it on, whatever. Well, that's fine. But – Man, you just called the boss out, and you didn't do what the boss wanted. So, Rashad, I want to spin this back and say this. Obviously, the first three rounds, Curtis Blades looked like the next, you know, potential heavyweight title challenger. He looked incredible. He outstruck Volkov. He took him down with ease. Yeah, he did gas a bit in four and five. He wasn't the same fighter. I saw him have so much success in the first three rounds on the feet against Volkov. Now, mind you, Rashad, Blades said on this pod – If I'm 50-50 on the feet with a guy, but I'm 100% on the ground, why would I exchange with him? Why would I get punched in the face? I'll tell you why. To make statements Mm -hmm. that provide you the leverage you need at the negotiation table. So Rashad, in hindsight, did you see enough success on the feet for Curtis Blades over the first three rounds where he maybe could have and should have tried to knock out and finish? A very tough guy to knock out and finish, but... Should he have done it? Should he have went that route in hindsight?
1: Um, no, I, I, I don't think he should have. I think that, you know, he should have kept kept with his, his game plan, you know, the, uh, the take him down, wash and repeat. And just that, the drying out process, I think that w- what he started to do is he started to uh, feel, be lukewarm about how he was going to exchange. You know, he, he would get there and he kind of realized, oh, oh, I might be a little bit overmatched. And then he finds himself in a position where he's trying to just reach for the shot and not um, and not punch into a shot to get a takedown. And you've seen him struggling with that later on after he had so much success with the perfect timing of it. But it was just his belief in, in, in knowing, and I guess not even knowing, but just feeling the difference in the stand-up, feeling, feeling the fact that Volkov, you know, um, even though it was taken, getting taken down, was not as tired when, when, he, when he got back up to his feet and still had some pop in his punches. And I think that kind of surprised uh, Curtis Blades but you know you know going back to what you were talking about earlier um I think I think you know w- with him getting on the wrong side of the brass you know I'm instantly reminded reminded of uh Roger Huerta remember Roger Huerta when he he was the hottest thing he was the hottest Sports thing for a long time Sports Illustrated the first athlete the first MA athlete on Sports Illustrated and having all that success you know it, it made him feel like, okay, they need me. And he started to want to get paid more and wanted to bargain more. And as soon as, you know, as much as he went up, as far as the hype went up, it went down at that moment. Once he started to be, once he started to go there with fighters pay because he didn't follow that up with a strong performance after that, his performances dropped lower and lower. And then at that time he didn't pissed everybody off to the point. So they're like, okay, bye. You know, they, they were not trying to do him any favors when it came to, uh, You know, trying to market him and trying to put anything behind him anymore. So I do, I do understand what you mean, and and it is a perfect, under it's it's a perfect combination navigating his career as far as like you know um, how to handle everything outside of the fights. You have to also understand you can't be the one for the most part. Who, who's out there bringing it to the UFC like that? That's why you have managers. You have managers to be that person for you, so you can hide your hands. And be like, man, I had no idea he, he was being like that. I, I'll, I'll talk to him, see what I can do. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't, you don't need to be that guy if you if you have the managers. But this this whole fighters pay thing, I do understand. It's something that a lot of fighters, you know, is it, heating up, and a lot of fighters are starting to share that. But I, I like you said, BC, I think that's a strong performance uh type of move not not a weak one
0: yeah i don't want to turn on him because last week i supported those comments yeah right i do i support people taking stands for what they believe in even if it makes them unpopular in that moment but i think this is something a lot of us in the corporate world can relate to rashad like it is what it is whether your company's rule set is right or wrong and we can argue is this the right way you live so you should do business reward the company man reward the action fighter That's not up for debate. It is what it is, right? They're the boss. They're the boss at the end of the day. They set the parameters, and you have to make a decision whether you want to play that game with them. I'm the boss. I'm the boss. It's my way and no other way. End of story. And that's the situation, Rashad, in every corporate office in America where if you want to get promoted, you might not enjoy playing the game, so to speak. Oh, I hate office politics. I'm not playing that. I'm not going to kiss ass. Well, you don't necessarily have to kiss ass, Rashad. But at some point, you gotta buckle up and say, "If I'm going to beat this game, I've got to learn how to play it." So I think that's where there's some rightful controversy here. For Blades, though, if you just keep winning, you do. You we found over history, you can end up getting there. It just takes a little bit longer. So his career's certainly not over here. We're, you know he's he's in a great spot. Hopefully, he learns from the 25 minutes here, in which he mentioned afterwards that you know the cardio's got to get a little bit better for the title potential and uh rashad he couldn't even put a sentence together in that post fight he was so he was so gassed but if he can find a way to take what he did in rounds one through three and stretch that out for five look he's in it against anyone rashad he's in it against any he could be a champion he's only 29
1: i mean yeah he, he can be a champion but here's the thing about it like i i love his 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 work ethic getting 14 takedowns is is monstrous But here's the thing, like, sometimes you can work a little too hard. Like, he didn't need to get 14 takedowns if he had better ground control. And especially against a guy who's not too savvy in a grappling department, that's a fight where you get a guy down and you get him down a few times, but your grappling pressure on top – Makes it so that you don't—he doesn't get back up. He's not surviving getting back up. You know what I'm saying? Like I see, I see 14 takedowns. Yeah, but I seen a guy who got up 15 times. You know what I'm saying? And, then, and that's what—and that's what—and that's what it comes down to. Because when a guy gets up that many times and he still has the power to to hit, like Volkov done, then that means you need to do more on top than just get the takedown.
0: I agree. And I look, I, I, what I saw, what my eyes told me after 15 minutes was that blades could have exchanged more on the feet and had success. Now, Look, if I'm being there, I'm certainly no uh, combat expert from the technicalities of it, but I saw him having advantages on the feet that were set up by the success he had on the ground, where had he committed a little bit more to try to, to try to hurt Volkov. I I wonder if he could have, but uh, you know, hopefully he can learn that lesson and bounce forward. Sometimes surviving, advancing, Surviving and advancing is the best thing you can do. But uh, he was the storyline at the at the main event. But, Rashad, we said coming in, the fight of the week, the fight that you need to see, the quote-unquote people's main event, was that featherweight co-main, and it was Josh Emmett, taking an incredible three-round decision over Shane Burgos. What made this fight great, Rashad, was that it was an all-action fight of the year contender, but yet it was contested... Uh, you know, not as a brawl. It was contested as a technical battle of of, of strategy, technique, adjustments, and badass chins. Basically, both guys came in there, had a jug, said, we're willing to pour it all out. We're willing to go all in on our future in a crowded featherweight division because if I win and I win looking good, I may be able to parachute up into that upper elite group of three or four guys who are waiting in line for a title. I'm talking Zabit Ortega. I'm talking Korean Zombie. I'm talking uh, Yair Rodriguez. This is a badass division. And Josh Emmett, Rashad, after injuring his left knee, and we'll get into the actual injuries, but you can tell within the first minute he was compromised. When he put together for those 15 minutes on Saturday – I, I'm like ready to bow down. I was, I, I am entertained. I am impressed by that man. Wow.
1: Man, it was, it was beyond impressive. You know, if you're lucky, you get the chance to see a fight like that. And uh, you, you, it's, it's a rare fight when, when you see guys just willing to go to that length and just empty themselves out without the fear of, of, of what's on the other side of that feeling, you know, and these guys really went in there and they, they pushed each other to the limits. And, you know, Burgos was laying a lot of, Great clean combinations, but just just the the power in, in Emmett and um, his ability to just find that power shot and not only power shot, but just to 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 stay in the pocket and land some great combinations i mean th- this Josh Emmett is showing you know that, that he has another level that he 's yet to hit because I still see that there's areas where he 's still going to get better. Cause you watched him just improve in that fight, the adjustments that he made in the fight that secured him that victory, because at first Burgos was running away with it. And then it seemed just, Emmett just started to make the proper adjustments. And it was his power that that was the biggest game changer in the fight. But, you know, that's the kind of fight that you, you hate to see anybody lose. You know, There's not a loser in a fight like that because it's, it's one of those fights where, you know, both of these guys, it, it, it's, 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 this is just an amazing performance by both of them, man. I was, I was thoroughly entertained and just thoroughly happy.
0: I mean, you hate to see a loser, which is what you just mentioned, because Burgos was just willing to take every – I mean, he took knockout shots to be able to keep coming yeah. forward and mix up and use his length. And he showed you certainly a you know, long, long-term future, a championship pedigree at the very least. Uh, Rashad, I want to get into Emmett's injuries in a second, but I do want to say this. We do have a fighter pay issue. It's, it's, like, it's like our lead topic every week, right? Like, people are bringing it to the forefront. We do. It, it's, it is true. But here's my suggestion, okay? Because I don't know what Emmett and Burgos made. I didn't look it up yet. I should have already. But uh, it was probably less than you think, right? It was probably underwhelming for a ESPN co-main event in the middle of quarantine with nothing on, right? And they put out a championship performance each. And I know that, you know, they both get a little piece of that bonus. I know that, but, you know, Burgos to put forth that performance and really only get his show plus a bonus. If UFC values these badass performances as much as they do. And they do, Rashad. That's the true currency to get to the heart. You want to get to the heart of the average American man? Make him some sloppy food, right? Make me some lasagna and I'm yours, okay? For Dana, you got to fight like a savage, okay? If you can do it technically like those two guys did, that's even better. But if you fight like a savage, Dana will reward you. How about this, Rashad? There's already disparities in pay. There's already issues. I don't know how we're going to fix it. We'll get there. What about if you just make the fight of the night bonus, if you're UFC, a giant bonus, not 50K. I'm talking like like, like 300, 400,000. I don't know the true fight. I don't know how much money's in the pot, but I'm just saying, why don't you make that the thing? So if a guy like Shane Burgos goes out there and leaves his soul in the center of the cage to try to prove to you that he's the real, that he doesn't come out of there with, I don't know what he made, you know, 50K, I don't know what he made. Probably not that much. But instead comes out of there with like 300, 400, 500 grand and a handshake from Dana White that says, thank you. That's what we're looking for. And I'm not saying, Rashad, that that should be the way the promotion is run, where you look at guys who can get dominant decisions and go, sorry, we're here for knockouts or nothing. But they've already established that's the lane they're in. That was everything yeah. in the entertainment business. So why not reward the people that are going to go out there and just leave it? Because I don't know if I could watch another fight between two guys or two women who enter savage mode. And then afterwards you take out the commission report and you go, Oh God, 35 to show, you know, seventy yeah. to show like, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I think, I think along those lines, what they could do, um, that would, that would probably help. And it would be very motivating for both fighters you know, instead of putting a number to uh, what it would be, just make it so, like, 75 for the bonus, what they normally get right now. But make it so that both fighters who get fight of the night get paid their bonus, their, their uh, show and win. You know what I'm saying? And that way, there will be uh, essentially no loser, <laughs> financial loser. You know what I'm saying? The Both fighters that get paid their full pay. So I think that would be something that motivates fighters because at that point, if you know, if I fight as hard as I can, I'm going to get my full pay, and then I'm going to get the bonus of the fight of the night too. Then that I think that that'll be huge. You know, um, that's a start. That's a start.
0: I would like to see that. Now let's run down the Emmett injuries here, and this is key, Rashad, because he's 35. He's won five out of six, but we remember the loss. He was beating Jeremy Stevens, and then he got stopped viciously. And the recovery, what, he basically broke his face. I mean, the recovery he went through was intense. He's 35. He's now finally entering that elite court featherweight. He's getting closer, maybe one win, maybe two, to a title shot in a crowded division. But he suffered a complete ACL tear, an MCL sprain with partial tearing, a Baker's cyst rupture, a focal impact fracture of the femur on the lateral and a chondral defect of the cartilage on the tibia laterally matching the impact area. I have no idea, Rashad, what most of those mean, <laughs> but that don't sound to me like A, Josh Emmett's coming back anytime soon, or B, like we shouldn't be allowed to question whether at thirty five could he ever be the same after that? What does that list mean? I mean, that's ridiculous.
1: I'll tell you what, just from the ACL injury alone, I know that uh, the recovery process can be intense. And especially the older you get, it's harder for your body to recover because your body just does not respond the same. You know, Each and every single time I got my ACL surgery, which was twice, it was harder for me to recover the second time around. And even now, I'm still uh, recovering, getting stronger now uh, with it because it takes so long because your body uh, is not responding the same. So it does get harder to recover from the injuries. And Uh, and I guess, you know, looking at the fact that he took off 11 months before this, prior to this, you know, let you know that his body is not healing the fast and he does need extra time to, to heal his body up. Uh, it, it looks like, and it sounds like, you know, it's going to be another year and a half before he gets out there again, you know, potentially speaking, if he heals himself the correct way, uh, with an ACL injury in, in the bumps the bumps and bruises and all the other stuff that will heal within in a few few weeks, a few months, maybe a couple months, but the deeper issues, the the ACL and the meniscus, those are are a long injury and uh, you know, you want to make sure you rehab and come back sharp on that. So, he could be out for at least a year and a half and being 35 years old, you're getting into your golden years and you 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 he's almost missing the perfect time of his of his athletic peak, because sometimes they say, like, when you're at 35, 36, you're at that peak, athletically speaking, sometimes, and then when you get past that hump, that's when it starts to go down, so, yeah.
0: I looked up the uh, salaries and purse payout from this card just for reference. Josh Emmett made 76 to show, 76 to win, got a 10,000 sponsorship bonus, a 50K performance bonus, so he does come out with 212,000, Burgos gets 75 to show, five for sponsorship, 50 for performance. He comes out with 130. I guess this is one of those situations where I'm like, you know, bump both up to like 500. You know, just say, like, like, like they, they, that's the, again, that's the kind of currency the boss, in, uh, you know, reacts to. So please pay that, those men their money. Uh, Rashad, does Josh Emmett, if we assume that he comes back at full strength, Does the Josh Emmett, who to me, by the way, look like featherweight Shane Carwin? I mean, he looks like he comes there to (laughs) to, to, your soul, but obviously has rounded out his game in other areas where he's fairly fairly great right now. There's levels to great, though. Did you see a performance that that would allow you to give him a sporting chance against a Max Holloway, an Alexander Volkanovsky, a Brian Ortega, a Zabi at the very highest level at 145?
1: Yeah, I mean, for a couple of reasons. I mean, his durability is one that that can hang in there. But then he has something else that those guys really don't have, which is that that one-punch power. I mean, those guys can hit, but there's a difference when you see in the way that Josh Emmett hits. You know, when he hits people, it it, it changes. It changes them, even though um, Burgos took a lot of those shots and, 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 you know, great chin on him. But at the end of the day, not a lot of people are going to be able to take those shots, and you're looking at a guy – In um, that has great combination skills too. So, not only can he hit hard, he has great combination skills and he's strong. He's a strong guy. So, Emmett is definitely a continuing weight class if he can come back within enough time where he's not missing too much time out the octagon. Because when you're out of the octagon, it changes so fast. It's like, it's unbelievable the little nuances and all the little things that change. Uh, from a year in the sport, you know, if you're not actively competing or in the gym with guys who are actively out there learning the new new nuances, then you can uh, find yourself just out of sync when you get back.
0: Uh, I agree with that. Uh, Rashad, I am not a tattoo guy. I have a fear of needles, which is really <laughs> good because, you know, uh, considering our age, I could end up with like a barbed wire tattoo like Pamela Anderson had around my bicep or something awful by the. This- <laughs> I don't see that you're a tat guy either. Is that correct? No,
1: I have not one tat, not one.
0: Wow, wow, we're anomalies in this. Um, I think Josh Emmett might have the best tat game in a sport that has awful, awful tats. Rashad, this sport has the worst frigging body art I've ever seen. And I think that that thing he's got over the shoulder and chest with the with the eye-catching colors, I'm kind of into it.
1: He has, I because mean, his skin is so pale, it captures the color so well. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he makes color tattoos look amazing.
0: Yeah, he does. He's got the, I don't know what's written on his uh, left midriff. It looks like a seriously long novel right there. But uh, <laughs> that hurt. I'm sure that hurt like hell. Rashad, did you ever come close? Did you ever come close to putting a woman's name on your body?
1: Oh, I came close. I came close a few times. I came close a few times. But uh, I heard it was a jinx, but turned out it was a jinx anyway. <laughs>
0: Good job. <laughs> I, I agree with that. All right. Hey, let's roll on here. A couple other big storylines from this card on Saturday night. Uh good to see the power duo that is going by the name hashtag Rocknado make a big turn for Rocky Pennington, Reticia Torres, a, a current couple who lives together. Uh they have fought on the same card, I think, four times prior. This is the first since they've been uh, you know, publicly announced as an item. They both win. Rashad, they both really needed it. Raquel Pennington really looking like her top self in a tough battle with Marion Renault. And Tisha finally breaks that tough four-fight losing streak all against a elite opponents when she outworked Brianna Van Buren. Uh, do you think both are right on, right back on track with this? Did you see enough there to be impressed?
1: I've seen enough. I've seen enough to be impressed and, and show that they've uh, – You know, sometimes you got to walk the long road and you got to take that feeling that comes along with with just inconsistent performances and feeling like you're so close and not really feeling like you slipped in that much of regard as far as uh, athletic ability and and fight performance. But, you know, you have a losing streak, a losing streak, it it, it does something to your spirit. And it's good to see them both get past that, um, you know, and, and both feed off of each other. And it's a very hard situation, too, because when you're that close to somebody fighting in the same uh, dressing room, fighting on the same car, being in the same dressing room, it can, it can kind of take the air out of your sails if the fight does not go the way that you, you're hoping it to go. So they uh, perform well, and it's not easy to fight under those, those circumstances, but they ended up being exactly what each other needed that night. Now, I mean, normally they, coach, they uh, corner each other anyway, so they're used to being there, but it's just a different kind of anxiety when, you, when, you're, kinda, when you're there to watch them fight and you're fighting yourself.
0: Yeah and it was good to see both really show uh high energy big motors you know that was sort of the thing that they've been in some ways lacking in lackluster performances obviously Tisha Stepping down from the ta- you know, from the uh, the matchmaking level she'd been on, she actually fought a fighter. She was taller than. I'm sure that's the first time in her UFC career at five foot one. But uh, she looked really good. You know, the variety of kicks and punches, the movement, all that good for them. Uh, you know what fight delivered that welterweight battle that we were talking about? Bilal Muhammad takes oh, a yeah. both decision over a game as balls, and good. There was blood, there was guts. Did the judges get it right in your eyes?
1: I think so. I thought that Lyman good. He did rally in a third, but um, even when he dropped Lua, um, uh, Muhammad in, in the third round, I felt as if um, <clears throat> Muhammad finished it strong by winning, by landing on top with the wrestling and finish off strong with his wrestling. So uh, it, it by no means blow close the distance to win the third round, but he did, I think, change it from a 10, eight, to a, a 10-9, you know, for the most part, which would have been a draw if it would have been a 10-8. So um that's that's the way I scored it. But uh the wall the L- wall Mohammed just made it very, very hard for 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 a lineman good to find him all night. Every single time he'll change angles and he'll switch stance and then we switch stance he'll be at a new angle and then he'll throw a punch and it was almost as if good was walking himself into the power of of uh of Muhammad every single ch- time that he changed. And it didn't seem like he was able to figure out what to do and how to counter that until the third round when he landed that big shot to knock out Bilal or knock down Bilal.
0: Hey, for Muhammad Bull, or, oh, you got me confused here. Am I saying Bilal Muhammad or King Bilal? Muhammad, King Muhammad? <laughs> <laughs> was Bilal. That the case. You're going Yes, King Bull. That time indeed. Uh, okay. so – Bilal Muhammad, the 31-year-old. Rashad, he has won six of his last seven going back over the last three years. The only loss to a very tough Jeff Neal. Uh, he's got wins over, I mean, not killers, but, but you know, he, this should get him in the top ten at least. And this is, I think, where he belongs. This has been a, a pretty good, sneaky good run for Bilal Muhammad, who always turns to get in a brawl. But to come out on top six to seven times, um, Let's, let's see more. Let's do it. You know, your reward is here. It's probably going to be a badass fight. Probably going to be a hard, yeah. badass fight. That's your reward. Thank you. Thank you.
1: But you much. know what? Hats off to Ford MMA, made my boy safe, Saeed. He's transform. He's transforming fighters, man. Like, it's like he's getting them and he's transforming them. Like he, he, uh, Uriah Hall, he's transforming Uriah Hall. Uriah Hall seems like a different fighter now. And you see the same thing with Muhammad, you know, Muhammad seemed to be a different fighter. The most, the, the best I've seen Muhammad look, you know, he's. Very educated, um, you know, working the flow of the fight really well between his striking, his, uh, his changing up his stances, his direction, and even taking the shots. You know, very smart fight by L- L- uh, Mohammed and uh, Fortis MMA. They're getting no guys ready.
0: Maybe we should call Bilal King Bo. How about that? King
1: Bo, King Bo.
0: <laughs> uh, Rashad, what the hell got into Jim Miller and his UFC. Oh, record? my. 35th appearance you and i were both like yeah i think it's i think it's you know look go big on rosie roberts um jim miller sneaky comes in there in this catchweight bout gets an armbar within the first three minutes uh good story for the 36 year old who every time you think he's done he pulls himself back in rashad you gotta you gotta applaud this man
1: i'm half off to the guy you know and you know you look at what he's been through a uh, long career and battling Lyme disease for the longest time and really not having any answers for it and not finding a way to treat it, but still finding a way to compete and uh, finding now being on the other side of it, finding a way to treat himself, finding a way to be healthy, trying to find a way to put that Lyme disease in a place where he's able to compete and get the best out of his body. And you see it, you see his body looks better. He looks younger. He looks stronger. He doesn't look like he has the the, the the wear and tear on him that he does. But, you know, he's actually starting to look more and more like a contender just because he's just so efficient. When you see that efficiency and you see a guy get up there not taking any shots like that, that's how you prolong a career. You know, when you're up and there in age and aging, you've been there with the best guys, hey, get it to where you're good at and get a tap out.
0: That's true. The three things are certain about Jim Miller, right? Water
1: is wet, fire burn, and I'm going to beat Michael Vespe. No, well,
0: Jim, no well, three things. He'll be there. He'll probably have a mustache, and, uh, you know, he'll win when he needs to. And and this is a sneaky good win over a tough Roosevelt Roberts. Uh, Rashad, Justin James got a lot of people's attention in his UFC debut, knocking out Frank Camacho in 41 seconds. I hadn't heard of this guy from Adam. You know anything about Justin James? He wins a fight of the night bonus.
1: No, I didn't know nothing about him. I was just like, okay, okay. But that's that's what this, that's what this is. You know, this is this is the best part about being on a card like this is the fact that there's not the big names on it. And you can go out there and with a great performance, a great knockout, and have everybody remember your name. That's the way to introduce yourself to the UFC.
0: how you do it. That's how you do it in 94, Montel. To close here, uh, Lord Murphy really good win it wasn't the most exciting fight over roxanne Modafferi, but to see lauren murphy kind of come into her own at flyweight use that counter right hand and use it as a weapon and take an honest and, and clear decision this is now three in a row at 125 Rashad, we talk all the time it's valentina and everyone else we're starting to get a couple names should we add lauren murphy to that mix of potential title opponents
1: I mean, Lauren Murphy, don't call me Barb, is doing her thing, man. Listen, she's, she's, figu- she's figuring it out, you know. And um, with a with great win over Roxanne Martaferri, who's been looking phenomenal in her last few performances, and she's shown that she's figured things out on her end. But this is a great win for Lauren because it, it's against a, 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 a veteran in the sport, you know, a long time contender in the UFC. So um, – lauren lauren is getting it and lauren looks like she can definitely be a contender in this weight class and this weight class is not too deep or anything like that so it only takes a few wins and impressive wins to get noticed so lauren is definitely looking good for that
0: look that's what that's what we want we just want fights we want to see fighters worth talking about and a couple of the ladies there at 125 starting to to you know clear their names out there and and show us that they're ready all right rashad uh uh just give me. We're going to break down Dustin Poirier, Dan Hooker, who's the which is the main event in in this Saturday's card at length in our Thursday show. But give me one word to describe this 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 fight. Here's my one word: best fight of the summer. All right, that's a few best damn fight of this. This is I care about this fight more than any other.
1: I'm excited about this fight too, man. And I'm excited because these guys are starting to talk a little bit of trash, and I'm a sucker for the trash talk. I love it because I love it to see. When both guys can bring it, and there's a little bit of just extra, I want to kick your butt, you know. And you know, Hooker has been going on talking about uh, Dustin Poirier is a little bit chinny and and just on the lines of, of that kind of disrespect. And uh, Dustin Poirier is like, okay, I'm gonna show you. So this is this it's gonna be it's gonna be a fantastic fight. And I was there uh, in New Zealand to watch Dan Hooker, you know win and then take that moment of being in the main event and having the, the whole card on his shoulders. And that was such a proud moment for him because you've seen, there's moments where you see fighters grow. And that night I seen him grow as a fighter. So it was going to be interesting to see what his follow-up performance is going to be.
0: Could We see, look, this is me talking out of school here, not knowing the full COVID, but we know MMA is hot in Australia and New Zealand. And a lot of it is that city kickboxing gym with Dan Hooker, with, uh, Volkanovski with Adesanya and all them uh could we see a, a a full crowd fight in New Zealand where I don't think COVID's an issue right now like this calendar year before we would see it anywhere else I mean I know we're going to do the fight the Yaz Island thing this summer but uh I'm wondering if you could put big fights down there Rashad
1: dude that'd be interesting and that'd be awesome too I mean listen when I was out there that that, that um those fans, they were they were amazing, you know, very, very respectful, avid fans. They, they filled up the arena and they support their team. So I think it definitely would be a great place if if it can uh, if it can happen.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, what won't happen on this Saturday's card is Aspen Ladd, a women's bantamweight contender who I was looking forward to get to see against Sarah McMahon in a good fight, tore her MCL and ACL. Rashad uh, could be out nine months to a year. You never really know with that. And that's tough to see because that's a Division 135 that, you know, it's Amanda and there really isn't much. And she was a fighter I was really hoping to see whether she was ready to make that move up. Or if Amanda is, you know, considering retiring, could she be a fighter who steps in? Maybe against a Pennington, maybe against a home for an interim title or a vacant title opportunity. Uh, you got to put that on hold. It sucks for sure. You know?
1: It does. I mean, Aspen Ladd is one of those young talents who you definitely seen that she had uh, some, some skill, some skill to definitely be in the conversation. So hopefully she heals up and comes back as strong as ever.
0: Absolutely. All right, Rashad, a couple of bits of news and notes to close with this week. Uh, one of it is uh, uh, your boy, my boy, all of us. We love us some Mike Tyson, by the way. First of all, we love Mike Tyson. Uh, Mike Tyson did a uh, Instagram live with some guy. Do you know who that guy is? Who's that? I don't know. Some guy. I don't know who the guy was.
1: was- no, I, I didn't see. I didn't see.
0: Mike was laying on a bed and and look, Mike had some very uh, thoughtful things to say about UFC fighter pay. And here's the, the basis of it, Rashad. He basically said, look, Um, the UFC fighters will never get that, that the real money, the Floyd money, because of the structure. He brought up how Connor had to essentially go outside of his own sport, put himself at a disadvantage against Floyd to make a hundred million, to make the quote unquote real money. And that even if Connor wanted to fight John Jones tomorrow in the octagon, he would never come close to making that money. And then he brought up John Jones said, look, he's complaining a lot about fighter pay. John Jones would need to fight me, meaning 53 year old Mike Tyson to get that kind of money. Um, this spiral, you know, look, Mike, Mike wasn't calling out, John. Mike was just talking. It's an Instagram live, right? And when it spiraled, John Jones tweets out like, Hey man, I'm listening. Let's talk. And now John's saying I'll box you, but only if you MMA fight me, but I'll take it easy. F that. Nobody wants that. Okay. Get out of here with that. Right. Uh, could you talk me into maybe the idea of like a one round boxing match? John Jones against Mike Ty- Like, Yeah. There's some elements of but Dana's not doing it. No one's doing that whatsoever. But, uh, uh, where are we at on this Mike Tyson comeback here? Because I'm willing, I'm unwilling to accept this John Jones thing as anything. But uh, he, Mike's really going to fight, right?
1: Mike is going to fight, man. He's been training more and more. Uh, Rafael Cordero is getting more and more time with him. Um, my friend Billy White and one of uh, Mike Tyson's old training partners from Catskill, New York, training De Casimato, is there also working with him in, in California? Just kind of you know reinforcing some of those. Uh, peekaboo principles that Mike Tyson learned from Cuss. So, I mean, he, he's definitely getting himself back into the right mindset. And for Mike Tyson, that's all it's been. It's just, you know, was he in the right mindset to go out there and fight? And now he's, he's compartmentalized things the right way. And he's, he feels that he's found a way to chain the beast, but at the same time, let him out the play when he wants to. When it comes to sparring, when it comes to training, when it comes to fighting. Before, he didn't have the ability to contain that beast and it would just run rampant in his life. But he's found a balance. And that balance is the reason why we're seeing Mike Tyson surge at 53 years old. If he doesn't die, it doesn't count. If he's not dead, it doesn't
0: count. Uh, Rashad, entertain me for a second here. Let's say everybody wanted this. Let's say Mike Tyson versus John Jones in a boxing match actually did take place as a Maymac-like crossover pay-per-view. But let's say we were being smart to the idea that Mike's not getting any younger, so we're not doing a 12-round fight. What if we did a three- or five-round boxing match? 32-year-old John Jones against 53-year-old Mike Tyson. All right, three rounds. Three friggin' rounds. What does that look like?
1: Man, it's hard to say because uh, Mike Tyson – it is so ferocious, and you, you, we we see the way he's moving lately, and it's looking as if like he can still move as the way he used to move. But at the same time, you don't know what that looks like over three minutes. You know what I'm saying? You don't know how that looks. You know, dealing with a guy, a taller guy, in John Jones, who has the ability to frustrate and, and to use his reach and use his smarts as well too. But at the same time. You know, you, you have a John Jones, and if there's one glaring weakness in his stand up, it is his boxing. You know, he doesn't have tremendously great boxing, as, you know, with Gustin saying, and you've seen many other fights where he was just completely out boxed. So it, it can definitely be a lot more challenging than uh, John Jones is thinking, just because he has the advantage of the youth um, and the power as well. Tyson has a power. So it can be very interesting for a lot of reasons, but I mean, you would have to go with a younger John Jones. It
0: would be interesting if, like, to really do something like this, you would have to do what I said. You'd have to limit the rounds. So you basically you have say, to just go in there and let it go. The interest in seeing, like, if because it's different than Floyd, right? Floyd's going to outpoint somebody. You know what I mean? Stop Connor, but over 10 rounds. it Like, to see, could Mike have a chance? You know, what if it was Mike against Ngannou? Or, Mike, you know, against any sort of disadvantaged – MMA, you know, a disadvantage meaning against a, a, a all-time great boxer, but uh, it'd be interesting. You'd get a lot of entry. I,
1: I think you know what? Let me take that back. I, I'm I'm pretty sure John Jones will get ate up by Mike Tyson.
0: Whoa, whoa, whoa! Okay, okay. I mean,
1: in, in a bo- in a boxing match, in a boxing match, yes. three round boxing match. He, no he I think he'll get huh?
0: No side kicks to the knee or anything.
1: No, because here's here's the thing about it. Like, boxing is so different than MMA, and even these guys who are not on the level of Mike Tyson would be a problem for John Jones when it comes to boxing, because boxing is just a different game altogether. You know what I'm saying? It's not, it's not the same. And uh, when when I, when I said what I said about, I think John Jones, I thought about, I'm like, wait a minute, this boxing is, is is so different. You know what I'm saying? It's such a different thing. And to be like, like punching power alone and the way they throw their punches is so much different than MMA. I don't think John was stand a
0: chance. You signed up if they signed up for you know three minutes in just three minutes of hell, you get a lot of pay-per-view buys to see if uh Iron Mike could land the big one. That'd be that's yeah, an interesting idea. It's a little different than a May type thing. It's just basically like you're paying money for this three minutes. Let's see what Mike can do. I'd I'd be I'd be fired up.
1: You say something else, I'll whip your ass in the octagon, no, bitch.
0: No you, won't. no, you you're never going to the octagon. You're too, <laughs> you're too smart. That's why. All right. Uh, other news, uh D say. D.C. Daniel Cormier asked about the third fight against Stipe Miocic August 15th. His quote, I hope Stipe has his wrestling shoes, end quote. Rashad, given the fact that D.C. abandoned his wrestling after round one, whether that was out of stubbornness or whether that was out of the potential of getting gassed out, do you think in this third fight we will see a wrestling heavy Daniel Cormier?
1: Um. No, I don't think so. I think that we'll see a, uh, um, a clinch dominant Daniel Cormier. And I think that's one, uh, one of his most effective tools, you know, the fact that he fights from that clinch position and he leans on you. And even before he takes you down, the fact that he leans on you on the cage and he leans on you with that pressure where he's controlling the inside, it gives him the position to land those punches on the inside. So I think that's the kind of fight that we'll see from DC, um, as far as the wash and repeat cycle, taking him down and getting him up, he's never had good luck with doing it in, in fights. I feel as if, you know, whenever you've seen DC do that, there was always a moment in the fight where he looked as if, like, if the guy, you know, he, he was about to gas out. So I think uh, just an economical pop shot punch, you know, uh, closing the gap and look for that, you know, heavy shot on the inside.
0: All right. All right. That's it. That is it, Rashad. Another show in the books. Uh, uh, By the way, Habib Nurmagomedov did uh, report that his dad is awake, but uh, still in very, very serious condition. They're fighting COVID, among other things. So plenty of love out to the uh, Nurmagomedov family. Uh, Rashad, we'll be back later this week. Big time interviews to come with Dan Hooker. Dustin Poirier ahead of their lightweight duel this Saturday. Gonna get a little Mike Perry in here, which can get wild. They can get, okay. It can get <laughs> you know, you never know what's gonna come out of that man's mouth. Looking forward to that. You and I will set the stage later this week for Saturday's card. But that is all for now, Rashad. Do you have any closing notes?
1: Nah, no closing notes. Okay, well,
0: I got two words for you. Okay, okay. We'll certainly see y'all later.
1: I'm gonna go home tonight. I'm gonna sit out with my friends and family.
0: And hell, I might even get on top of my wife tonight. Wow, wow. I, I have a sweet by the way. <laughs> I'm stable right there, but uh, two words for you, Rashad. We out.
1: We out.